And I started thinking, you know, just from my experience and passion with remote control aircraft from being a kid and my profession as a programmer, how could I bring those two together? So uh, what that ultimately led to was drone blocks and being able to use visual coding to allow the students to fly the uh, drones. Welcome to Kids Lab, a podcast for parents, educators, and everybody interested in STEAM education. In this episode, I'm talking to Dennis Baldwin, the creator of DroneBlocks. DroneBlocks teaches STEM and the real-world application of drone technology. Dennis has been fascinated with remote control cars and airplanes since he was a kid. Through his passion of the RC hobby, he learned many aspects of engineering by building, wiring and programming flight controllers for his RC planes and quadcopters. He shares the majority of his research and development on his YouTube channel. Check out the links in the show notes at kidslab.dev. Fast forward to 2015. Dennis has already met Marisa, an elementary school teacher, and they both are working together for after-school classes to teach kids to 3D print, wire, build, and fly quadcopters. He experiments with block programming and a DJI SDK. DJI is the market-leading drone manufacturer. Students loved it, and so DroneBlox was born. DroneBlox is block-based programming for drones. After connecting the Wi-Fi of a laptop, tablet or smartphone, the students can connect the drone to run their missions. Missions are set of blocks, typically beginning with a takeoff, followed by various commands such as fly forward, your right, etc. And finally, of course, you want to land the drone. With drones such as the Rise Robotics Tello and some indoor propeller guards, you can easily perform an indoor workshop with a whole class of kids. Besides the navigation blocks mentioned already, there are of course also the typical logic, math and loop blocks available. Drone blocks is perfect for learning geometry, such as sine and cosine. Imagine how excited the kids can get if they are able to apply sine and cosine to move a drone in a circle movement around an object. There are many practical use cases for such drone missions, for example when it comes to 3D scanning via consecutive images taken around an object. Together with Marisa, Dennis now also offers an online curriculum and professional development services. I am really very excited to talk to Dennis about the intersection of drones and coding, as well as his thoughts on STEAM education in general. Just a quick reminder, check out the show notes of this episode at kidslab.dev with background info as well as images and all links mentioned in this episode. All right. So, hi, Dennis. Thank you so much for taking the time to record with me. How are you today? Hi, Sven. I'm, I'm doing great. And I just want to thank you for having me on the podcast. Drones, visual coding, and mathematics. And I must say, not just mathematics, but actually also mathematics for a reason to actually control the drone, for example. And that all in the classroom. Right. Some months ago, I thought that's really impossible. I couldn't quite believe it when I saw it. So it's really absolutely amazing because I also tried it out. So in your own words, how did you um, invent drone blocks? How did you have the idea to create drone blocks? Sure. So drone blocks sort of came out of the elementary school in the town that I live in. Uh, we're just outside of Austin in a small town called Dripping Springs. And my oldest daughter at the time, 
was in fifth grade and part of an after-school program called the Tech Team. And uh, the facilitator of learning and innovation at the school, her name is Marissa Vickery, who is now uh, one of my partners in Drone Blocks. She was leading that program. And I really wanted to volunteer and get involved. And at that point in time, I was uh, doing a lot of 3D printing of drone frames, mainly mainly multi-rotor frames. So I came in, we 3D printed uh, frames, we built, we soldered, we did the whole assembly of the quadcopter. The, the students learned how to fly them. Uh, we started with simulation, all of that. And what I quickly learned is while that's a, a valuable process, uh, we got to the point where the students were asking, well, how do we put a camera on it? And these uh, drones didn't have great uh, position control, right? So they were all over the place. And uh, at that time, DJI had released their SDK, their software development kit. And I started thinking, you know, just from my experience and passion with remote control aircraft uh, from being a kid and my profession as a programmer, how could I bring those two together? So uh, what that ultimately led to is drone blocks and being able to use visual coding uh, to allow the students to fly the uh, drones. So did you, did you immediately start to create your first blocks basically with Blockly or did you was there a process to getting into visual coding? Well, that, that's a really good question. So initially when I got into the DJI SDK, I was writing sort of very uh, application-specific code. For example... Uh, something that we wrote was called Drone Pan. It was the ability to take a DJI drone in the air, uh, press a button, and simulate a, a panorama um, process. And, and now that's built into uh, DJI apps uh, today. And so what, what I realized was that I wanted to simplify this process. How could we allow students to program drones but not have to get into kind of the complexities of uh, Objective-C or SWIFT programming, right? That's something they can evolve to, but we need to make it more friendly. So getting into block programming, I thought made a lot of sense. And where we really ended up was using Google's Blockly, right? They have a great a community of developers working on the project and uh, us to be able to use that just really build on top of um, the work that they've done. So what are some of the practical applications of drone technology today? I think your listeners will probably be very familiar with uh, some of the buzz that we see in the media as it relates to, of course, drone delivery, uh, search and rescue. There's a lot of uh, mapping applications, agriculture. That's that's a lot of what I think we hear um, on on just from a daily perspective about what drones can do. But what I'm seeing personally. Uh, as a trend is more sort of indoor-based uh, drone positioning, right? If we think about Tello, that has a, a vision position sensor that allows us to, to keep stable ind indoors. In the outdoor applications, we have GPS, right? Mm -hmm. So it's fairly straightforward to send a drone uh, to perform an autonomous mission. Indoors, th they bring different challenges. And so what we're starting to see there is uh, inventory management right? Mm -hmm. Sending a drone around a warehouse uh, to scan barcodes, right? To, to keep up with inventory. Uh, another one that was really interesting, uh, a group reached out to us several months ago and they wanted to do 3D reconstruction of objects indoors. So you can think of like, just let's say some, some big, uh, like an automobile or a plane indoors that a drone could fly around, take photos 
and from those photos be able to do a 3D model, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's not easy to do indoors uh, without GPS. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for indoor autonomous flight. Yeah, I totally agree. So before I got exposed to drone blocks, I wasn't really exposed to drones at all, to be honest. And when I first heard about flying drones indoors, I thought, oh my God, that's going to be really, really dangerous. And and now you're actually taking these drones and program them with a bunch of kids indoors, right? So is it safe to fly a drone in a classroom? <laughs> you, you you remind me of a um, story. I, I I think that, let me give you the, the short answer and then I'll give you the long one. I, yes, it is. Uh, with the right safety precautions and the right hardware. So as I mentioned, Marissa and I uh, sort of teamed up uh, after that uh, tech team after school program. And the first iteration of drone blocks was with the DJI Phantom 4, right? And you've seen those. There's nine, I think they're nine inch propellers. If you put your finger in that propeller, it will definitely, uh, you know, lead to some damage. So yeah. We were flying DJI Phantoms indoors, right, with students around. Obviously, there were propeller guards. It was, it was I like to say, the Wild West. It, it was the best that we could do at the time. So, you know, fast forward a few years when DJI and even Parrot rolled out uh, their mini drones, the, the Mambo from Parrot and the Tello uh, from DJI with the propeller guards and just really smaller uh, profile they definitely became more uh, approachable and usable in the classroom. So it looks like your total recommendation would be the Rise Robotics Tello, if I got it right, correct? I, I would say so, just because of uh, the capabilities, the sensors, uh, the precision, and uh, they're, they're very safe. Uh, we have had students that might have sent their drone on a, you know endless flight path that ran into maybe another student. But we try to cover that through some of our curriculum and teaching the safe use of drones. But even if that happens, the propellers are small, the motors are, are relatively lightweight. Yeah, so I can just uh, agree with that. Uh, the only problem with our um, Rise Robotics Tello is, or my do- my son's at least, is that it's now at the bottom of a pond. Because um, <laughs> I think this vision positioning system doesn't quite work well over water. <laughs> That's it, I guess. It, it does not. Water is very tricky. Yeah, so we figure that out now. So how do kids typically react when you bring a bunch of drones into the classroom and and tell them we can program them today? I mean, I have a slight idea, but... (laughs) I think there there is certainly the initial excitement of, oh my gosh, look at this toy, right? We're going to get to fly drones. And a a lot of these kids, I'm assuming, are exposed to, to drone racing league, FPV, flight, um, all of that really amazing stuff that's going on. And so one of the first things that we do is obviously we talk about the safety, right? The safe and responsible use of drones. Uh, Then we, of course, do a basic mission, a takeoff and and a flip. When you do a flip, kids are always just blown away. To this day, when we issue a flip command to Atello and see it happen, it's pretty magical. So before we step into the apps that you're offering, um, the, that's DroneBlocks and also DroneBlocks Code, uh, let's let's first actually look a bit why um, what we can learn from flying a drone. I think there's, uh, you know, aside from the the safety that that we discussed, we feel that the application of drone technology that we covered earlier is very important. I think that um, 
I believe that uh, there is a, a future, you know, of, of drone aviation, right, where we have uh, students that are coming through, you know, STEM programs, hopefully being exposed to drone blocks and other technologies where they can learn and take interest in programming and know that someday there will be a uh, future career based on that. So you just mentioned the two apps that you're offering, that's DroneBlocks and also DroneBlocks Code. Um, so let's start with DroneBlocks. I think it's using visual coding. Can you give us a quick intro how we actually program a drone with visual coding via DroneBlocks? Absolutely. So I generally use the example of uh, maybe code.org or uh, MIT Scratch, right? So Students are generally familiar with a drag and drop interface or have seen some level of that where you're dragging, let's say, in our case, a takeoff block out onto the canvas. So we provide you the building blocks on the left with different categories. You have your takeoff. Then let's say you want to fly forward. You drag that out. We have some uh, ability to edit those blocks. So you could fly forward 50 inches or 50 centimeters. Uh, you could create a loop that allows the student to maybe fly in a box mission and then add a land block. So by dragging those blocks out, they're on the canvas. You can visually see, kind of step through the blocks and understand what they do, launch the mission, and then watch uh, Tello carry it out. And we we really believe that, you know, we've seen a lot of the um, hour of code and different initiatives to get students interested in, in programming in STEM. And we feel that just being able to see something in the air, like a physical robot that's responding uh, to the code that you wrote is, is pretty powerful. Is DroneBlocks compatible with all the operating systems like iOS and Android? Or, and also, would you recommend a tablet screen, for example, to have more space? Or would it just run on a normal iPhone too? We have you know, worked really hard to uh, make it accessible to as many different platforms as possible. I think, uh, at least here in the United States, there are schools that might be all uh, Chromebooks. There might be schools that have iPads, the whole uh, one laptop per student program. So uh, we support iOS and Android. And then we also have a, a version that runs in Google Chrome. So if you're On a computer, whether it's uh, Linux, uh, Windows, or Mac, or even a Chromebook, if you can, if you have a Chrome browser installed, you can run DroneBlocks in that Chrome browser. So uh, we've tried to touch all of the the operating systems where uh, students can have access to the to the app. Super cool! I think you got me covered. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the second app is called DroneBlocks Code, and I think uh, once we got in touch, actually, it was just recent. It was just released um, about that time, and it's about it's not about visual coding, but you can use JavaScript to program the code in this case. So, would you recommend DroneBlocks Code for the more advanced students and kind of try to transition them from visual coding to JavaScript? Then, or what is the idea behind that? Yeah, that's uh, a good question. I think about my experience. I, I studied electrical engineering in school. That's my degree. There wasn't much software then. And then I, I sort of fell into the web, right? And, and here's 
uh, I think a, a similar transition that I personally experienced that that I feel is 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 powerful. So I was doing uh, web coding back in the day, and, and web coding was like a program using used a program called Front Page or Dreamweaver, which allowed you to sort of drag and drop elements onto the page to see how it looks, right? I remember that, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And and then I got to the point where I'm like, well, that doesn't really do exactly what I want. I need to tweak it a little bit. So I would go from like the visual view to uh, the code view, looking at the source code. You know, if you think your users... Your listeners may be familiar with this. You go to a web page, you see it, but there's all this HTML JavaScript that you can actually view under the hood, right? So DroneBlocks is really an interesting thing for students to say, okay, here's the, the lowest common de denominator for programming a drone, get, taking an interest in the technology. And we hope that, my personal hope for sure, is that students then say, well, I want to know a little bit more about this, right? And so we feel that a nice transition beyond those blocks is uh, a JavaScript interface. And even within drone blocks, at any point in time, when you're looking at your blocks on the canvas, you can open our little menu and, and click on show mission code, and it will give you the, the JavaScript representation of your block code, right? And so... That's where uh, the genesis of DroneBlocks code began is, yes, it might be the more advanced student that just comes in and they know how to program, or it might be the student that we pique their interest and they want to go a little bit deeper. So we talked about a simple mission just a few minutes ago, and I'm wondering what, of the, what, what are some of the cooler, crazy missions that you came across during the, the time that you're teaching with DroneBlocks? So we have, uh, there, there's a couple of examples I'd like to share. Uh, one is from a, a teacher that emailed me directly. They had tweeted at us on uh, Twitter and they had a scenario where they wanted to uh, find these little Lego minifigures, right? And so the students would fly the drone and identify where the figures are. They would go land and then their goal was to write a mission to go over to the minifigure. And initially they were doing that in the context of uh, flying forward and then flying left or flying forward and flying right to estimate kind of where that figure was. And one of their students actually wrote a mission uh, based on what she was currently uh, learning in school, the, the Pythagorean theorem. And instead of flying forward and flying right, She wanted to, after the takeoff, determine the angle that she needed to yaw to fly directly over to uh, the, the minifigure, which I thought was amazing. So I sort of walked them through and, and, and helped them uh, implement that, you know, finish that code. Uh, a couple other examples are a lot of students want to sort of see their functions or equations be implemented, like the uh, polygon equation, right, to fly the drone in a polygon pattern. So they actually take their blocks and implement those, those functions. Um, one that's really, that resonates with me is a, a teacher in California came up with a sort of a disaster mission where he built out um, these buildings that had sort of suffered from, you know, an explosion and there was two stories. And so, in this simulation, there were, you know, 
um, a smoke machine, right? There was smoke coming out. There was all sorts of buildings. And I, I hope that, you know, the listeners go and look at some of the photos of this that you'll share. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah, we'll um, put all that in the show notes, of course, right? This sounds totally amazing, really. Wow. <laughs> I mean, definitely a great reason this time to, to check out kidslab.dev, I would say. So you are also offering curricula. So I checked that out on droneblocks.io and I saw that some of the, um, I think you recently changed that into a membership model, right? But there were actually some some free curricula and then also some paid ones. For example, you've been even introducing Python programming and Node-RATS. So can you give us a quick overview of what you're offering here these days? For starters, the the app will always be free, right? We want to get uh, users into the app just experimenting with their code and, and watching the drone fly. And then, as you mentioned, we have uh, many courses available on learn.droneblocks.io and those courses go from uh, introduction to drone blocks, basic programming all the way to programming and, and Python and Node-RED. So uh, the membership model, as you mentioned, we did recently roll that out. That's just a, a flat $5 a month per user to access all of the curriculum and we're currently Uh, building new ones. There's a lot that I'm personally excited about. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share uh, a little intro into what some something that will be coming soon. Totally. Go ahead. That would be, we've been interested in, in sensor data, right? Getting information um, from the environment around us. So uh, one of the lessons that we're working on is uh, using Tello to identify Aruco markers, which are very similar to, let's say, QR codes, right? So I'm, I mentioned earlier the applications of being able to do inventory management inside a warehouse. You could think of uh, Tello being able to fly around and look at these QR codes on the wall or these Aruco markers and understand, okay, this is number three that's as associated with, you know, a box of balloons, whatever that scenario is but the the reality of it is we want to uh, not only teach programming but also demonstrate the real world use of, of the technology so the curriculum is really uh, something that we feel strongly about right because we know teachers are, are busy they're overloaded and we want to uh, make it as accessible as possible so that's, I think it's totally mind blowing because I mean, what you're talking about is like the intersection of drone technology, AI and coding and all that stuff, right? And just some years ago, that would have been extremely hard to realize with just normal development skills, I would say, right? And now you're just making this available for kids actually, right? So I think I'd like to add to that. It's, it's sort of, we've, we've seen these markets evolve or technology evolve over time where we had desktop computers over de decades getting smaller and smaller. And then you have mobile phones that over a shorter period of time got smaller and smarter, right? Now, it's in my lifetime, I've never seen anything evolve as quickly as the drone space, right? They're getting cheaper, smaller, more powerful. And, you know, we can't take full credit for what we're doing. Part of it is we're, we're developers that are leveraging an amazing hardware platform to be able to... Uh, deliver our app and curriculum. So then there's also Droneblocks EDU, and it seems to me like it's the full package. So that really means you come to schools, you bring the hardware, you probably teach the teachers and, and then run a workshop. Um, so can you give us an overview of what we can expect if someone is booking you for Droneblocks EDU? Sure. So you mentioned the membership, and that's sort of just a, 
a single user comes in, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's uh, a parent that's teaching their kids at home. The EDU package is uh, more of a classroom bundle. We have a lot of schools that come to us that say, hey, you know, I have a classroom of 25 students. Uh, how does this work, right? So we give them access to the full curriculum. As you mentioned, we do uh, PD or professional development. And that nowadays comes in the form of, of virtual, right? We were doing uh, virtual since the beginning, uh, mainly because that's just a way that allows us to to scale this out and to make it as accessible to as many people as possible. We see a lot of schools and classrooms that already have their own hardware, which is fine. And, and you know, we can interface with that. Obviously, if it's, it's, let me put the disclaimer that right now we support Tello and DJI hardware, but we're always looking to uh, support other platforms. And so uh, if they have it, they can bring their own hardware or we can uh, provide them the entire bundle. Are you offering these services mainly in the Austin, Texas area now or all across the US, for example, or are you even expanding? We have never had a geographical constraint on what we do, right? So we have classrooms all over the world using drone blocks, especially using the app. I think where we've run into some challenges would be uh, the localization of some of our content, right? So, you know, obviously there's a, a lot of English speaking countries, but we've worked with several uh, different groups. Uh, I recall a, a teacher in Japan that loved what we were doing and found some of our block code on the web. We, we made, try to make a lot of it open source, um, had actually done a Japanese translation of our blocks, which we thought was awesome. So what our goal is to be able to uh, provide that Uh, localization, you know, the content localization in the app so that users can go in and select the, the content that they want available to them. So in a new section on your website, I read that you're now partnering with Ocean Alliance. So can you explain what drone blocks and also the research with whales or about whales, um, how does this come together? This is one of the most exciting things that we've had an opportunity to be a part of. So a lot of what we do you know, beyond the classroom is just uh, people reach out to us asking, you know, can you can you assist, right, with some sort of drone application? And what we try to do is is learn from that experience and bring that into the classroom. And the Ocean Alliance uh, collaboration was very interesting in the sense that they had the requirement of being able to track uh, well blow, right? And that's that's what the wells, you know, blow out of their blowhole. Um, and they had created uh, many years ago something called Snotbot. Okay, so this was like a human piloted drone, right, that would fly over the well and capture the well blow at the right time. They had these little petri, petri dishes and they would take it back to the lab and just really determine uh, the stress of the well, right? And the previous way they were doing that, Sven, is they were, you know, driving a motorboat up to the well and trying to dart the well and just creating a high stress environment. So they thought, well, how can we do this in a way that's that's more low stress, right? Thinking about conservation and everything. So they came up with Snotbot and they started using uh, DJI Inspire 2 drone. And so our experience with the SDK, which is what we built drone blocks on, allowed us to assist them. And the use case is this, When the pilot who is on the ship is trying to capture the blow of the whale, they could be 
um, a quarter of a mile, half a mile away, basically not near the well, and they're looking at their screen, right? When you're looking at your screen and your drone is far away, you don't really know what the wind conditions are. So think about being you know, near the drone trying to capture the blow, but the wind is blowing in the completely opposite direction. You're going to miss the opportunity to capture that blow. So what we did with Ocean Alliance is worked on the ability to, based on the wind blowing against the drone, it would it would adjust its attitude, right? To try to maintain position, we would create an algorithm where the pilot could see the direction that the wind was coming from. So they're looking at their screen and they would know how to position the drone to be able to most effectively capture the blow from the whale. Wow, that is super smart. <laughs> yeah, I can't take credit for the idea. I can just take credit for, you know, assisting in that application. It was It was awesome. Yeah, it's also really unbelievable to see that uh, drone technology and the conservation of uh, the environment and, and nature basically comes together this way. Wow. Absolutely. So Dennis, what is coming up when it comes to drone blocks? I mean, you just mentioned that you've always been pretty virtual when it comes to these uh, curricula, right? And the courses that you're offering. Um, is there anything special you would like to mention that it's coming up and that would be absolutely worth to check out very soon. We have just recently, as a part of this membership, rolled out a, a simulator. So we realize now uh, that things have gone more virtual, right? And uh, there's more learning from home. So we provide the simulators. If you want to get into the curriculum and really go through this, you don't necessarily need to have a drone. Now, I don't really believe that the simulator is a replacement for a drone because there's always the wow factor and just the experience that you gain by piloting and coding a drone, right? When you're in a simulator, it's sort of like being in a vacuum. Everything is perfect. Everything works. You can hit the reset button and send the drone back to its uh, location and start over. So the simulator just allows it to, uh, to be more approachable and testable And then you can take that code and implement it on your actual drone. Uh, the, uh, some of the other stuff that I'd just like to quickly mention is uh, the, the content that we're working on to allow more precise flight indoors as a, with, with the Aruco markers, right? Being able to do that. And that's going to be uh, based off an open source library called OpenCV. We're really excited about computer vision and what that means for us. And I just have to say that for Tello to be able to do what it does for the price point is just incredible, right? So we want to try to harness uh, that platform and add additional sensing capabilities to, uh, to really demonstrate what can be done in the real world. Thanks, Dennis. This was so inspiring to listen to you. All the best for the future. Thank you, Sven. It was a pleasure being on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode about drone blocks. It's fascinating to see how coding, math, and drone education come together this way. I really recommend to check this out. A great start for this is our show notes at kidslab.dev. You'll find all links as well as some background info and images there. Again, that's kidslab.dev. 
In the next episode, we're talking to Bernard Romagosa about microblocks, which can be used to program common educational boards such as the BBC Microbit, Calliope Mini, or the Adafruit Circuit Playground Express. Music